0: welcome to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name is Ben Jackson and as always I'll be your host and once again I'm joined by Scott and Norris. Scott and Norris, how are you guys doing after that international break?
1: I'm just I'm just glad to be back Ben because you know we know how long these these breaks last and with the Red Devils well and truly balls in that last break up which is another story of course then it's just a delight to be back talking about another crazy week of Belgian football
2: I took an international break uh, and uh went to Belgium for the first time since uh, the outbreak of the pandemic so that's uh that was fun that's
0: the most important thing at the end of the day no yeah obviously good that you got back to Belgium Joris I know me and you are both suffering from this cold that's going around so apologies to listeners if we sound like we're completely bunged up but just is what it is. And Scott might have a storm going on behind him. So it's, it's all kind of happening this week. It all started happening in the Belgian Pro League again. So match day 11, I'll quickly run through the results and then we'll dive into our usuals. So Friday night, we had Club Rouge against Courtreich. Club Rouge ran up 2-0 winners over Courtreich, uh, who obviously have a new manager, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, Union Saint-Joan... For Solang 2, does not tell the story of this one. What a ridiculous game that was. Um, I think we might be talking about that one in a little bit. Uh, Zolte Valeghem decided to do the most Zolte Valeghem thing ever and beat high-flying Antwerp 2-1, despite getting actually battered last time out by Solang 5-1. So typical Zolte kind of there. Oostend snatched a late-late winner against Circle of Bruges. They won 2-1, the smallest man on the pitch scoring the winning goal, uh, which was always quite funny, even the commentator... Found that one quite amusing. We then had standards do kind of like circle views, kind of throw it away. Late on in the game, they drew two all with Leuven. Leuven scoring both the goals in the very last few minutes. Uh, saint Lüden got a last minute goal against Anderlecht. that finished two goals apiece. Beerschot still can't win a game. They lost one nil at home to Mechelen. Charleroi somehow won two 0 against Genk. No idea how that stayed nil for Genk. And then Ghent beat Erpen two goals to nil. And yeah they should have scored a lot more on that one as well. So, all happening. Scott, I think listeners probably know which game you're going for, but
1: <laughs> why don't you tell them anyway? Yeah, well, well, my game of the week, I think, is the game of the week. And isn't it funny how sometimes a game comes along that just kind of compels you to choose it? I mean, there's a number of games this week that were actually really good uh, for for several reasons, but this game was just... It's probably game of the season, actually, I, arguably, so far. Union Sagawa for Sarang 2, wild, wild game of football, you know, really, really open, stretched game. I felt there was goals in this game before it, and, and I wasn't wrong, I just didn't see all of the drama in between, which was great. If you haven't seen this game, what you really need to know is that Union went 2-0 down midway through the first half, and then lost Lazari, who got a second yellow Um, a silly second yellow for sarcastically applauding the ref just before half-time, and you're thinking, okay, Union weren't actually playing badly uh, at all. They were very much in the game. Two really poor defensive moments from them led to them going 2-0 down um, in the first half, which was quite out of character for them because defensively they've been one of the the best sides so far this season. Um, So that was was quite surprising. They go in at half-time, 2-0 down, a man down, and I'm thinking pretty much like everybody else, okay, this this one's, you know, this one's a write-off. I certainly didn't see what was happening next. What we have to remember, of course, is Union saint led by Felice Mazou, who is a, a fearless, wily, um, well-seasoned coach who favours a positive change, I think, when it comes to substitutions. I don't know if anybody remembers, about a month ago, I think it was the start of September, Union were away at Genk and went down to 10 men as well and instead of, you know, the classic defensive substitution in that situation, what does Mazu do? Um, he puts on Matoma and he put on Avenati in that game and they managed as we now know famously to get a point very well deservedly in that game. This is basically what he did here at the weekend. So at halftime, they're 2-0 down 10 men, they come back out And I wondered how he was going to handle this The first thing I looked at, what he did was He took off eh, Newcoup eh, and put Matoma on the wing And he absolutely single-handedly changed that game A second half hat trick for himself And bizarrely, when when you look at his numbers um, He had four shots on target in that second half Three of them are actually goals. Uh, his willingness to run at that Sarang defence and just, you know, make things happen was, was unbelievable. To come, see when you think about it, to come from 2-0 down uh, with 10 men and to win 4-2, I think, is, is is unbelievable, actually. I was thinking while watching the second half, Sarang need to change their shape here a wee bit because they really just weren't coping with Union having a go at them and up in the tempo a little bit. But Joris touched on something a couple of weeks ago just for the international break when he was talking about how Sarang can't really play any other way than they do most weeks. And that is to play quite open attacking football. They don't The system doesn't change that much. And to be fair to Jordi Condom, he didn't really need to change it because he's 2-0 up. But even when he gets pegged back to 2-2, there was no signs of a change at all. I think they probably felt with Union pushing to get back into the game, they'd probably be able to nick another goal, which which never came. They were all going in the other end. Really, really good game, this. Really enjoyable stuff. And um, I'd, I'd definitely go and look at the highlights if you've not seen this, everybody, because it was a, a great advert for, for Belgian football. And I had a conversation with a couple of people on social media after the game, talking about Matoma's impact in the game. and we'll, we'll talk about him more in a minute that's for sure and the person I was talking to um, didn't realise that actually he'd only played 45 minutes of the game
0: yeah yeah I know what you mean like he's just suddenly like it switches it comes up with like the half-time thing that it does on the YouTube thing and then Suddenly, it's just Matoma absolutely tearing down the wing every yeah. single highlight, isn't it? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, great. Like you said, Scott, like it's a great advert for one A that game. It's also kind of a good advert for one B, uh, in a sense. You've got these two recently promoted teams. Obviously, they've been like brought some players in and stuff like that. But like, it shows that you can come up and be exciting, be attacking, and entertain and still do well which they have been doing both teams this season obviously Mkhitaryan getting another goal that first Jallo goal like initially it's like fantastic dribbling from him and then it's kind of like the Union players are just like watching him and just kind of like yeah you can run you can keep running with it you can keep running with it yeah you're into a half oh you've shot and scored oh we maybe we should have stopped you like a little bit earlier than that but that was a great goal and like I don't know how many Sarang fans were behind the goal but they were having a great time they were absolutely mental like yeah, we're tuning up cruising and then yeah all fell apart but I think we can't talk about this game and not talk about Matoma even more so I know he's your player of the week so why don't you just kind of wax lyrical about the man a little bit longer
1: yeah I mean this is you know he, he's on loan obviously from from Brighton which you, you'll be going back there next season um, I don't think he's going to be staying at Union b- beyond this season um, but it's interesting because I think when, when he arrived uh, there was an expectation that he would slot immediately right into the side because of how well he'd, he'd been doing in, in Japan and obviously he'd got his big move to uh, to the Premier League and, and, and England and they've decided to send him. Out on loan, which I think is 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 probably a good idea, but he's extremely highly rated and highly thought of, and we're beginning to see now, I think why why that was and is rather. I mean, he's he's got what three goals, obviously his hat trick in the game at the weekend. There, one assist in in his five matches um, so far. But I think after that performance, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Mazu, I think, to leave him out now. Because Mazu's had a, he's had a very, very settled side, which has been one of Union's strengths. He's not really rotated. He's not mixed anything up eh, for any reason at all. It's been a very settled 11 most weeks in most positions. And this this hasn't been tweaked. To, to allow Matoma either you know he's he's having to wait his wait, wait his chance to a certain extent uh, which is, is what happened at the weekend uh when, you know that the, the the kind of change came about 24 year old Japanese winger who could obviously play up front and we discussed recently because we get asked with a listener's question about whether his natural position is 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 better on the wing or or up front and and i think almost to a certain extent he answered that at the weekend by i, I think the honest answer is going he, I, either I mean he played on the wing he came on for he came on for Newcoup and, and played out wide and just stretched the rang all over the place and they couldn't kind of cope with his pace it's a long time actually since I've I've seen a player single-handedly change a game you know players will come on as a result of positive substitutions and maybe score a goal that'll get a team a point or get a late winner those sorts of things are not unusual in games they, they happen but for a player to come on and score a second half hat trick that that not only is quite extraordinary in itself the hat trick, but to turn a game on its head so dramatically like that, I I don't I, I can't recall another occasion I've seen that in 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 any league. So if anyone can think of something quite as dramatic as that, then then do get in touch with us because I I can't think of anything kind of quite like that. And that's what I was saying about it. this game just kind of compelled me to talk about it. I wasn't expecting to necessarily talk about this, and I love it when a team goes or two teams in this case, to be fair, because you know Sarang were absolutely just as much a part of this game as Union. They really did play their part and were really good in the first half in particular. Most sides going to the Yusuf Marien have, have kind of struggled. It's one of the most difficult places to go in the Pro League at the moment, but the first 20 minutes in particular, um, when they got their goals, um, they were really having a go at Union and nobody's really done that so far this season. So that was that was really good to see and made for a really good game as well. Yeah, I mean, Matoma, I think think i am gonna be fascinated to see what Mazu does next because I think it's gonna be really hard for him to leave him out at the start of the starting lineup um this weekend after a performance like that.
0: Yeah and I think the the difficulty Mazu kind of has is that Mitoma and Newcoot they're, they're not like similar at all. Are oh, they like Newcoop's kind of more of like a a right back playing as mm-hmm. a wing back. And it was like uh, was it Guilhem Francois was also doing that position. So those two are just like, Francois gets injured and so Nufkut comes in and then he takes on that role because I think he was kind of always going to play that position. I think they brought him in to be the starter. But then, Matoma, like you said, Matoma's coming. It's like, well, do we just go all out attack now? Do we just not even think about having... Because Laperson can kind of do both. He can go up, get up and down. He's a bit more attacking than he is defensive. But Matoma, if he can show, like, a little bit on defensive side, his kind of, like, attacking output's just ridiculous for what we saw. And a poor old Sambu... Like, we, we've seen Sambu in a few games do that to other players where he's been getting up and down and causing them all sort of chaos but he just was like getting absolutely chased off the park by Matoma. like the speed he was running at the technical ability he had like we've seen some great japanese players like asian players come in i think he's just another one to kind of add to the list isn't he um interested to see what happens with him next year when he does go back like if he can break into the brighton squad or if he's going to find a position somewhere else, but I'm sure there'll be some other pro league teams looking at him and thinking, you know, if they don't want him, um, maybe we can s- snag him from under their radar. I bet since Sluden are gutted, I bet they tried to <laughs> nab him before and they just couldn't, couldn't add him to their like, list of J-League guys. Like you said, Scott, has got fantastic, fantastic game. And I think, yeah, when you look around the rest of the league... There's so many games that did take place, you think, oh, that could have been game of the week. But this one was just, it was so obviously a game of the week that if you hadn't picked it, I was definitely going to take it because it was that ridiculous. I went for the aforementioned Sint Truden against Anderlecht. I quite enjoyed this. I watched the entirety of this one. I've recently moved to Brighton over the weekend so Saturday was a complete write-off with moving but I was like Sunday I've got time I'll watch this game and I was definitely not disappointed um some of the football St. Truden were playing even without Suzuki obviously we know he's going to be out for a couple of weeks at least with an injury so we wish him all the best to get back but Hara and Hayashi started up front I thought they linked up so well with Kakache, Brawls, Durkin, Kanate, Bauer like some of the intricate play that St played in and around the penalty area of Anderlecht was really really good to watch. When you consider to also very good at doing that kind of intricate around the box play as well like made for a really good competitive game. St kind of bossed the early kind of five to the first ten minutes like really really put themselves about there. Uh, then Anderlecht kind of grew into the game a lot more. five had a good chance. I think Xerxi had a couple of good chances but yeah, Bauer should have really scored his first goal for St. Sluden. Had a great chance at the back post, but he just kind of absolutely fluffed it. He just had to place it in, but he couldn't quite get it in. I, was some great play. I think it was from Hara again on the wing and Kakache, like, really, really impressed, like I said. Into the second half, and Andlet got quite an early penalty. Uh, took a VAR check, as per usual, but um, Schmidt takes down Kwame. Can't massively argue with it from what I saw. I thought it was a penalty. A uh, steps up, puts it in, uh, in the 48th minute. So Andlet take the lead there. Uh then Mori Kanate scores again. Another goal for Mori Kanate. Been really impressed with him since he's come back into the side there. Um he'd actually missed a much easier chance about like two minutes before. Then it's like a half-cleared vo- like half clearance comes out to him on the half volley and he just puts it away. Um I think Centun deserved that. They deserved a goal they've been really pushing, they were really kind of taking it. Um this that hollerback wasn't on the bench. It was uh, Schmidt instead. I don't think he's any relation to the goalkeeper, Schmidt. Um, I haven't checked that, but I'm pretty sure they're not related. Um, but without Hollaback, they were still playing that same type of football. Then Andlet got another penalty. This one, again, going to VAR for an absolute swipe down hack. Um, I guess he was trying to play the ball, but I think it was Dirk and he gave it away. Rafaad had gone off, so Sergio Gomez stepped up to make it 2-1 to Andelek. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, here we go again, Anderlecht uh, Two one up, twelve minutes to go. We know last year they really struggled to keep teams out in the last few minutes, and he did it again here. Of all the people, I don't know how he's been credited this goal, but somehow Tony Leisner got given the ninety fourth minute equaliser. Where I'm pretty sure it came off Hardwood Bellis instead. (laughs) Leiser's like I'll give him some credit. Like I've I've enjoyed him since he's come in. He's kind of almost no nonsense centre back. Just loves a tussle, loves a scrap. Um, you can say he's got the passion. You can see why they gave him the captaincy because he's a passionate bloke. Uh, he's really drives for the team forward. He's definitely a leader, but he somehow, well, I know maybe you she will speak about this. I know you pointed this out to me. I hadn't really seen this, but he gets free at the back post after like a almost like basketball screenplay uh, from the St. Trudeau players. Lovely chess control from the centre back. But you're also thinking, why is he here? Like of all the players we want here, we don't want him here. Smashed it back across goal, comes off hard with Bellis. And yeah, I think St. Truden deserved the the point um I thought two was a fair result in the end they did have 27 shots only nine of them on target 51 percent possession to 49 percent possession so again you can say they were both really in this game um I've probably spoken a little bit more about Sven Chudin over the last couple of weeks than I, than we did in the beginning but I have been quite impressed with like their style of play I've been like it's been a lot more entertaining I think Hara and Hayashi coming in have like they may not have scored the goals that you see from Suzuki but they offer two different kind of styles of play and different like aspects of the game, and I think they linked up quite well. So entertaining game there. So yeah, I'll just quickly jump onto my player of the week, and uh, it's one of my favorite players. One of my well, I think is one of the guys I think has been the signing, one of the signings of the season so far, and that's herve Coffee, the cap <laughs> Herb Coffee or shallowa uh, What a game he had against Geng. Obviously, we know Geng, one of the best attacking teams uh but mr herve coffee kept a clean sheet eight saves during the game five of which were diving six inside the box a couple of punches gets credited with saving a penalty as well or well, their absolute fingertips on that one but again they all sure. count his passing's getting better like this is the one thing i've definitely noticed with him is he's definitely getting better like 71 percent accuracy like I think that's up from his musical on time. But you could just tell the fans absolutely love him. Like, I think he made an initial save from Ito, which Ito has to do better, but Coffee makes the save. It's kind of straight out. But then the fans are just chanting his name straight away. And I just think this is the sort of game they don't win last season. I just think goalkeeper makes a massive difference for them. I just don't think with Penetrao and goal or um, anyone else that they would have had this game in the bag, really, well, not in the bag, but yeah, they wouldn't have won it without him in goal. So... He is my player of the week. Um, he definitely won't, definitely won't be the first time he wins this award from me because, yeah, I'm a massive Herf Coffee fan. I think he was an absolute bargain. So that's it from me and Scott. Joris, I'll now definitely hand over to you for your kind of roundup of what happened elsewhere.
2: Yes, definitely. So um, let's dive into it. I will definitely also touch a bit more on, the, on Coffee as well. Maybe I'll actually do that right now. And maybe it's in combination with a lot of things. So there were four penalties given on Sunday. And at least three of them were very debatable. Even the fourth one you can have a debate about but I guess it's, it, these are the rules and how they're interpreted now so I can leave, leave that one out uh, that's the, the second one for Anderlicht. That, I just wanted to mention that I'm not going to go too much into every And uh, other people have been doing that this uh, for this week already so you can find them anywhere <laughs> around the Jupiter pro league we all know though that's the, to beat coffee from the penalty store spot. you do need at least three attempts um, I'm here not only referring to Sunday's game as ben mentioned as well but also to last season where uh if you remember mechelen needed three attempts even to eventually beat coffee from the penalty spot then he definitely does take that risk to go too early well he'll gladly take that risk since uh, well also there that was the reason why twice they had to retake the same penalty so it was not that there were um, Three penalties given or two penalties given, even in that on that occasion, but also only one that um, he he likes to take the risk there. But the third time he almost got it. He, uh, that one as well. I rewatched that one uh, today. Uh, these three uh, penalties actually yes, uh, today, and that was close <laughs> for the third time as well. Kortrijk then uh, has no wins in Jan Bredel yet against Club Brugge in uh, in history. So that, that's well now. Uh, 37 attempts uh, at least, so that's not so little anymore. Definitely worth mentioning. Klubbrugge is talking about penalties. Kortrijk probably, no, not probably. Definitely should have gotten one as well. But um, again, I'm not going to go too much into it. <laughs> yeah, Klubbrugge is unbeaten at home this season still as well, at least in the league. Um, as we are recording now, they have been beaten uh, in the in Europe by uh, Manchester City. That's understandable. Their, their neighbors, Cirkle Brugge, though, they are far, faring way worse now. Uh, four losses in a row, one win in lo- in the last nine games even, and to- two wins only in total after 11. So uh, yeah, there's, there's no real surprise, uh, I guess, that this also means that uh, since this weekend, after this weekend, they have fallen back to the play down spots. So the, the 17th spot uh, in, the, in the classification, in the ranking. Yeah, so uh, now I'm gonna touch a little bit on what uh, on, on Union Serrain as well. So Seren did it in one half, but uh, Stand- Standard only needed stoppage time to do it uh, from their perspective the respective perspectives, giving away good positions. <laughs> so yeah, Serrain did lose in the end. Standard were two uh, two nil up at that time at the 90th minute, uh, but gave it away in the large stoppage time. But at least there was a reason. For the stoppage time, the 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 long VAR check for the for a front of side for the, for a potential third standard goal, which was ruled out eventually. Another thing that was uh, quite debatable. Um, this also means that um, like a, a a circle also goes that has fallen back to the playing down spot. Um, standard were playing against uh Oa Leuven. So they now moved up out of this danger zone, despite actually having only won once this season so far. But they are the team that draws the most. Seven draws they got now in 11 games. So, well, you don't really move up fast, but at least you grab some points along the way. So if other keep other teams slip, you, you move up a little, I guess. The very interesting facts of course, of co- uh, fact, of course, is um, still Beerschot that uh, they're not faring well that's also not a, no surprise and i guess everyone that listens will know uh, that they still haven't gotten a win in uh, in these 11 first games uh, so continuing continuing their historically bad streak but not only that they also only got i can't even phrase it like that they actually got nil goals at home so far and um yeah again Think back to—I uh, think we mentioned that last uh, a few weeks ago as well. Think back to last season uh, without much many fans, uh, scoring all the goals. Okay, conceding a lot as well. But yeah, they—they they now the, anyone that has seen Bearsfeld at home, well, they haven't seen any goals yeah, from their team yet, which is a bit sad. Although Michela really tried to give them a goal, hand them a goal. It was a funny. <laughs> Yeah, phase where the, the, uh, there was a pass back to Kuke that went was completely misplaced, and luckily for uh, for the Michela fans, for um, I think it was uh, Souza that uh, gave the ball back. It, it hit a post and bounced out, uh, so that that would have been the first baseball goal it would also have been a nice way to, to get that first goal a typical way for the base this season to get it but they did not then um, I'll move back to uh, to scherter and um, well a, a fact that's for me quite sad <laughs> It was Schalke Levas' first goal on a corner this season. And unfortunately, that is not really a surprise since it was against henk As a child, we sometimes, I don't know if that's a tradition in uh, in other countries as well, but we used to play football with the rule, uh, sometimes, play rule uh, sometimes play football uh, with the rule on the playground. Um, if you get three corners, then you get awarded a penalty kick, well, this season, Henk is playing an even more advanced version of this variation. It seems if you get three corners against Henk, you're definitely get a goal uh, out of that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I've I've gotten very cynical already. That's uh, it's not a good sign for uh, for every <laughs> every Hank fan. Will feel my pain. Yeah, and I think that was uh, my roundup of the of this week. Um so it's some interesting facts.
1: I think um you, you touched uh, on kind of um Hair of the Cat coffee there guys and he absolutely was brilliant this weekend he was. I think it's been a good weekend for goalkeepers generally. I thought uh Robin Himmelman Open's keeper. I thought he had a brilliant game against Ghent, Actually, you know, saved saved a penalty in that game as well, which obviously went in through the the, the rebound in the end. But he had um, he had a number of really good saves in that game and looked really up for it. Um, he was another one who made a a stake for for goalkeeper of the week. But I think um, I think the cat just about pips him. It's an
0: interesting situation out there, isn't it? Because obviously Neuradine started the season. Kind of to our surprise, but he was fantastic. Uh, he got injured, obviously, and then Hillman's obviously had to come in because of that injury, but kind of there's not been a drop off at all, has there? So mm. now that Nouradine's back, it's like, well, where do you go from here? Like, who do you go with? Because both are clearly very good goalkeepers, both probably feel like they should be number one keeper, but. Yeah, think, like, I think Hillman like
1: I think'd be quite harsh. I think it'd be harsh now because he's definitely got better and better and better since he's come mm. in. You know, particularly this weekend, I thought you know the the level he set this weekend, I thought was you know I thought it's going to be difficult to displace him. Nurudeen's recently recovered from a uh, hernia surgery, I think, so he's available for selection again and is fit. But it's going to be one of those where I think he's going to have to bide his time a bit now. Interesting situation there.
0: Um, Deporcha could have scored about a billion goals in that game, couldn't he though? Oh so. well,
1: my. <laughs> Word. Some of those misses were, you know, just the look in his face actually was worth it. You know, you could see he was a bit shell shocked himself. Yeah, and it's no surprise yeah,
2: yeah. That, that the way he scored it was also quite typical. Then, like the keeper was already beaten, mm-hmm. so he really had to tap <laughs> it in, so that uh, so he finally managed yeah, to so score. <laughs>
0: It's like he knew, like, if you were watching that and you had him, A, like, in your fantasy team, or you'd bet on him to score, or you had him in, like, you're so ready, or anything like that, it's like, you'd have just been in agony watching him, because you're like, he's got, he's having all these chances, like, surely he's going to put one of them in. And then, yeah, he taps one in, but he could have, yeah, he could have had plenty of goals in that game. Last one before we move on to talk about new managers and stuff like that, we got to shout out Xavier Mercier's goal against standard EA's. What an absolute screamer that was in the 96th minute. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous goal from him. Um, and then sorry, Kaba gets his first goal in the 99th minute. Yeah, crazy game there. Let's, <laughs> Let's dive straight in then, shall we, to the new manager. Luca Elsner obviously has been given the job, um, moves over from court strike to standard. That was his first game in charge. We actually kind of joked, because obviously before the international break we were talking about, yeah, Scott will give you like a nice breakdown of the new managers, he'll do his usual deep dive, but those teams clearly listened and they were like, oh, we're going to make it easy for you this week, Scott. We're just going to grab two blokes <laughs> from the pro League so if you want to talk a little bit about Elsner to Standard and then the man that's replaced him at Quarterike as well
1: Yeah I think we've had it's not so much a deep dive guys is it more of a, a case of musical chairs you know with, with managers that we're all very familiar with um just changing changing it up a bit and going to different clubs. I think the thing on Elsner actually is nobody really saw that one coming, that one kind of came out of the blue and and happened quite quickly and there's another example, a bit like Peter Mass when he went to, to Beershot, which is now history of course, it's another example of a manager changing clubs um, with very little warning or notice um, at all. Kertraic weren't really happy about the way that was handled which you can kind of understand and, and, and I think are looking at what they might be able to do legally here but uh, I I don't think there's... Uh, much leverage really For them to, to 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 pursue anything It's just one of those Yeah, one of those Horrible things really I think the Kurt Reich fan base Were a little bit irked by this Because he did make a big play When he arrived at Kurt Reich About wanting to spend He did specifically say actually He wanted to spend Some time there And he did say I think he referenced The phrase he used Was a couple of years Get to know the the, the, the town The fans The people of Kurt Reich. And I think they They, they were Yeah, they, they were none too happy that you know, it was it was like a flitting in the night, which sometimes happens with managers. I think you know he's you know French is French is his predominant language. Um, you know he, he did he had a, a decent spell at Unión. Um, in the past as well, um, and and I think linguistically speaking, actually, I can understand why standards an attractive, attractive move for him. He was asked specifically, actually, as his first official press conference about the move, and he said, "Look, and uh, this is this wasn't a difficult choice for me to make." He said, "You know, standards a big club. I I think the situation at standard can be improved upon, and and I think you know when a club of standard size and reputation comes asking, I I think it understandably." Is going to be difficult to say no. It's just unfortunate in a way that Standard are not, not not in a great great state at the moment. So he has everything to gain, but also everything to lose as well. And I thought the game at the weekend, their game with Leuven kind of summed that up. I thought they, they, they looked a little bit better. They were a bit more energetic, but yet again they lack the one thing that they've been lacking for what feels like forever now and that is any real threat up top. I was watching the game and thinking that I didn't really have any consequences Confidence that Standard are about to go on, you know, a three or four game winning run and kind of still don't. There's just not enough strength and depth there. And and it was interesting to me that, that Elsner chose to go with Klaus pretty much as the lone striker from the start because that would have been the one thing i i personally would have chose not to do because i just i just i don't particularly like Klaus as a lone striker i think he needs somebody to feed off and and somebody to feed off him to kind of get the best out of of the attack there and and, and allow the the wide players to kind of provide the service to them so i didn't think that was a particularly good choice to, to, to start with i wish him well actually he's well thought of you know he's he's a good coach he's a very open minded coach he's known for being uh, open minded and receptive to to new ideas um so i i think that could be a very positive thing for standard actually just that that coaching approach and it is as after all it is only his first game but you will be you will be very frustrated and the way that game ended is a is a harsh reminder of the, of the of the task ahead for him there i think
0: yeah definitely i think yeah you're like a couple of minutes away from a 2-0 victory to start off despite like you said not being been like on top of it and smashing it but you're still 2-0 up and you should really see out that game uh, it's interesting to see with his first lineup like who he went for uh, in terms of starting Dragos, starting tapsoe as well uh, fresh off the back of winning a uh, FIFA ultimate team player of the week card uh, for some for his international game steps over so fair play to him on that um, <laughs> hasn't really seen much action this season for Standard but maybe that was kind of the the spark to get him going. Jock Gavary uh, played Nkunku instead at left back so yeah, interesting to see kind of how he feels about like the squad what he thinks about the squad everyone always already started the uh, Selimani to Standard the A's kind of drum didn't they the moment it was announced everyone's like oh he's on his way but he's obviously signed a new contract with Court Light must have seen that and been like right let's get him pinned down so we can at least make a little bit of money if that does happen I don't think it will happen I don't think that's the sort of player they need they actually need centre-backs really like they're so short of fit centre-backs at the moment yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plans out kind of watch this space sort of thing Uh, his replacement is a man we've known before Beresini, uh obviously former Charleroi man. Uh, he's now back for his second spell at court like, What a tough way to start the the your campaign as a new manager, isn't it? A way to Club Rouge. Not like the best kind of start you could have had, I guess. But um, again, interesting to see kind of who he went with in terms of his team. He kind of kept it quite similar, didn't he, to what Elsner had been doing in that sense. He's obviously got to get to know the squad. Yeah, I don't know. What do you expect from him going into that job in courts Do you think we're going to see a kind of change in style of play at Kultryk, or do you think it's going to be kind of a continuation of what we saw under Elsner?
1: I think it'll be largely the same. I mean, that didn't surprise me, that choice, actually, because I I think they did have to appoint somebody quite quickly. They've had a decent start to the season, and we spoke a couple of times already as well about how they're in generally a Quite a good place, both on and off the park. So I think bringing somebody in who knows the club and has been there before, I think generally speaking, is quite a smart decision. I think, especially when it was a you know a, a shock decision for the board, the board to make. Obviously, there'll be no movement um, until until January, and and Selimani signing a. A contract makes makes him leaving anywhere in January less less likely, and even if Standard do come calling, then they're now going to have to open their purse strings, which we all know is is not something they want to do. Um, so that that um, that contract extension kind of amused me greatly this week because of the chatter you were talking about Ben about you know the rumours about Salamani going there it's kind of been growing louder and louder uh, in certain circles. So that 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 was quite amusing to me uh, yesterday to see that, that that had been done quite hurriedly I think yeah an interesting one that um another definitely a case of you know you might have pinched our manager from under our noses but you're not getting one of our top assets um, yeah, that's right. for sure <laughs> <laughs> no definitely um not the only man to get
0: a contract extension uh Ito of Genk obviously got an extra year uh onto his one um Joris what are you feeling about that as a Genk fan
2: well that's great of course uh, I think he's still one of the most Somehow, still one of the more more underrated players in the top teams. Let's uh, put it like that. So, uh, well, actually, top player in the league. But yeah, that's so very happy about that. Unfortunately, I, I hope it's not just something to keep the fans happy a, a little bit happy given the results <laughs> of, of late. So, um, but yeah, with the extension itself, it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm really happy.
0: But yeah, maybe it's just kind of like a we know things are bad on the pitch at the moment in terms of results. But at least we got Ito for another year. So. You all can be happy now. Let's go down a division... Shall we, Scott? I'm going to go back to you again. Let's have a little kind of run over of what happened in another entertaining week of One B action.
1: Yeah. So what what happened in One B this weekend, folks? Well, um, we'll we'll do the scores kind of quickly first. Denza Denza played out a nil nil draw with Beverin, uh, and what I think everyone expected probably to be kind of quite a tight game. Verton uh, won two one at home against Leers. Lommel got a three nil home win against moosegrown which was notable for for uh, something that. I'll bring up in just a second and uh, Westerlo got yet another win um, 2-1 away to Molenbeek so Westerlo remain top they're now seven points clear of second place uh, Beveren and are still unbeaten, so as we talked about before the international break, not only are they setting the pace, they, they've definitely stated a claim to be the ones to catch and that that by no means has changed at all Moose Ron likewise uh, remain bottom, remain winless and, and, and in big trouble and I think we're probably going to talk about them just shortly as well because uh, we've had a listener's question about them this week, but um, an interesting thing that did happen in 1B this week I don't know if anybody noticed but Lommel were visited over the last few days by Manchester City's uh, Gabriel Jesus and, and Ederson uh, they spent um, a day or so uh, with with the club and actually took in Lommel's 3-0 home win against Muscron at the, at the weekend there why you might ask well for those of you who don't know, and I know a lot of you well know, that um, Lomel are part of the City group, uh, Manchester City owned. Also Daniel Arzani, who's in the squad now um, at Lomel, is on loan there from, from City. But what actually happened was uh, Jesus and Ederson, obviously, were away in international duty with, with Brazil. And instead of coming back to England ahead of the Champions League game that City had tonight against Club Bruges, in order to avoid quarantining for a few days because of the situation in Brazil and in relation to coming back to England, they headed straight back to Europe and obviously went to Belgium stayed in Belgium for a few days um, in order to meet up with the the City squad yesterday uh, ahead of tonight's Champions League game. But, um, yeah, they were in the stands for Lommel's 3-0 home win over Mooskrone and uh, were plastered all over Lommel's social media, rightly so. Uh, meeting fans and um, other players and signing all sorts of goodies for, for people. So much star excitement down lumber Week in uh, 1B this weekend.
0: I have another theory. I think they just went to see um, a uh, Koki, Koki Saito masterclass, really. like Absolutely. They, Who they, wouldn't they, want to do that? <laughs> they went to get his autograph and they just so happened to get asked to do autographs themselves. But really, they were just there to see Saito and they're going to be telling Pep, like, mate, come on. Let's bring this guy in. Like This is the missing link. This is the Champions League winner right here. Yeah, all jokes aside, it's cool that they did obviously go to that normal game. And yeah, like you said, Scott, Musclon, we have had a listener question, which kind of sums up Musclon in itself, the way it's framed. It's from Sav2000 on Twitter, at Sav2000. And he just says, 1B question uh, WTF uh, is going on at Musclon. And I think you're not the only one asking that, Sav. I think everyone at Musclon is kind of thinking it they obviously know a little bit more about what's going on um but scott yours how how do you explain what is going on at moose gone like this, just chaos isn't it
1: yeah i mean i think this is i I mean i i it's quite a short answer for me really i I think it's it's this is the net result of years and years of of mismanagement both on and off the park i think a lot of their footballing decisions have been pretty questionable for a long time but. the ones on the park as well, but I think the footballing decisions structurally around the club off the park um, have been well questionable for a long time, and this is now just you know the latest in a series of pretty catastrophic decisions. And the worry at the moment is, and is well, it's beyond the worry. In fact, it's looking very much like they're on a on a crash course to you know, a double relegation and completely falling out of of, of professional football in, in, in Belgium. And they, they, I suppose, you know, any talk of a promotion push is, is definitely gone now, if, if it was ever there at all. And it's now about hopefully trying to survive in, in 1B. But it, look, it looks very bleak there. I think this is a club that, in my view, lost its soul in a way a long time ago. And I think when you have that disconnect, between kind of the club itself and the fan base and the people who run the club to that extent that it's so dysfunctional it's um it's extremely difficult to come back from that
2: they're they're free-falling and to be fair i don't think it's a big big surprise to many people just that there there's a reason why they try to keep on uh, in in 1a for so long uh, in any possible way and yeah now they haven't managed to to be in there, and all well, the appointment of Schifo is a bit of a well a gamble, especially since after his only decent run as a coach, I suppose, was uh, in the beginning at Mucron, uh well, around fifteen years ago, I suppose, I guess. But after that, the his career also the, did go downhill. The um, that the didn't work out. That's not a real surprise. The Empinzas are also out now. That's well, that was also their first move in this kind of direction as, uh, as managers of uh, or being in uh, decisive roles inside uh, inside of a club and making sport, uh, sporting decisions. And yeah, that uh, did not go well either. I guess these were all maybe appointments that were actually made for trying to connect with the fans a bit more since all of these have a yeah decent past at the club. But unfortunately, yeah that uh the qualities in these roles the don't seem to have um, been that good or they just have not been given enough time anyway yeah that it was not a success is, is clear and yeah, I don't see how how they will get a quick fix out of this, to be fair. Um, they're already quite far behind now, even, for uh, staying up in uh, 1B. So I, I guess their main goal <laughs> really doesn't have to be uh, anymore to, to get back into 1A, but to stay in 1B at the moment, and uh, that will be tough enough.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that might help in a way to kind of be like, right, this reali- unrealistic expectation of going up is completely gone now, we can just focus on what we actually need to do, which is stay in this division. But when you kind of look around the league and you look at Vuitton who put a together a side like a couple of weeks before the season and they look well, they've got what, nine points already? They won again this weekend. Like it shows that you can find players and if you're clever enough you can get a team together. So that must be quite frustrating. Well, speaking of Ferton, actually, I watched their the highlights of 1B and um, their two goals, that Suleiman and uh, two goals are literally identical against the S. Long ball over the top through the middle. He spins on, tucks it under the goalkeeper. Deja vu happens twice. Um, so fair play to them. It's kind of cool to see them rope together side and do well. But it's sad seeing what's happened to Muscon, obviously, like, so close to getting into the playoff last year then who knows i still think salang probably do beat them you'd expect salang this season to absolutely wipe the floor with them if they had played if they played each other now but yeah the kind of difference between them and vestalo is huge what's that 18 points already that's done uh even them to um molenbeek's what six points so yeah they're having a beer scott style season where they just really really are struggling so Fingers crossed, just for their fans. More than anything, they can at least get some wins together and get competitive and at least make it a fight rather than just kind of going down
1: with a whimper. Speaking speaking of their fans, actually, you mentioned um, it was interesting to to learn yesterday that such as the bleakness around the situation at the club that they they've actually that they're offering tickets to their next home game, which I think is against Molenbeek. Actually, for for one euros. To get into that home game, so if you're able, mm. if you're able to get to the A eh, for that game, then you'll be able to get in for for one euro, which is which is pretty good. It's not bad, not bad at all. I
0: mean, not sure what the uh, kind of restrictions are for entering, but a cheap. Cheap ticket on the Eurostar, one euro on that, and then back home, like, nice little day out. Bit of 1B football. Maybe not the best quality 1B football, but it'd still be a bit of chaos, which is what you want. But um, yeah, if you're in the only area, can't say no to a one euro bit of football, can you? Um, I'm sure it'll be worth more than that when you actually go to see it. It won't be that that bad a game, I'm sure. Um, obviously, we spoke a little bit about the Club Bruges game. They got absolutely demolished by Man City, not really surprising when you consider the amount of money City can smash into a squad like that and then bring off the bench during that sort of game, but they lost 5-1, but as you said, Scott, you said to us earlier as well, like it's kind of, it's not the end of the world for Bruges losing to City, like, it's not really the game that they're targeting, they've beaten Leipzig, uh, Leipzig at the moment are joining with Paris, but I don't want to be supporting Paris, but I have to in this case for the Bruges gate for the uh, Club Bruges team, so... Hopefully Paris can bring that one out and win. And then I think Bruce still are in a really, really good position. Elsewhere this week, we're not going to talk too much about them because obviously once this goes out, the games might have been played. You might be listening to it after the game. So we don't want to get our predictions horrifically wrong. But um, on Thursday, Ghent are away at Partizan, Belgrade, definitely the toughest game game in their group. Uh, Antwerp, they go away to Felibache, another tough game there. And then Genk are going away to West Ham. So three really, really difficult games uh, in Europe for those teams this week. Obviously, Claude Bruges had Man City. So yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough week uh, for the Belgian sides in Europe this week. Looking ahead to next week's domestic league action. Uh, Joris, what game are you looking forward to the most?
2: There's a there is a, there's an easy pick for me. I guess the uh, the hate game is back. Uh, yeah, Antwerp against Club Brugge. <laughs> in Antwerp at the Vosel. So I guess that's definitely one to watch, especially since both teams are doing reasonably well, at least in the ranking. Um so yeah, maybe yeah, theoretically it could be a fight for top spots, I suppose. Yeah, even depending on uh union's re- result and open open's result as well. They 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 which also play against each other. Okay. I'll I'll stop talking here, otherwise <laughs> you won't have any games <laughs> to talk about anyway. But uh, there's definitely some top uh, ac- uh t- some action at the top of it. Evil.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, like, my kind of shame about that game being scheduled as it is is that they're coming off the back of European football weeks. Like, kind of put it in mind of yeah. that game without any European football, so you get the two strongest 11s for those two teams like battling out, because I think that'd be a really, really, really good contest. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets rested and stuff like that, but I mean, the hate game is always going to be good if it's called the hate game, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Scott, which one are you looking forward to?
1: Um, I'm quite looking forward to Mecklen's home game against uh, Varagam just to see what this game throws up. Actually, Mecklen obviously now coming off the back of uh, four wins in a row. Uh, which is quite something. Uh, scored eight in those four games, only conceded once. So they they seem to be now getting right on top of you know those those big defensive worries that they had in quite a spectacular way, and and really playing rather well and with a lot of confidence. And uh, Zalta, you never know what you're going to get. So you know this 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 could be a wild one, folks. That
0: was exactly my
1: thoughts. Looking at that one, I looked at that and I thought that
0: is one of those games you feel that you just have to watch because you know it's going to be chaos. I'm also
2: going to quickly jump in as well, like uh, to add a bit on uh, last, well, not last week, two weeks ago, the last regular episode we had, when uh, Ben mentioned the the amount of uh, Zultvarim's, the the amount of goals that Zultvarim already conceded. So uh, they actually indeed conceded one goal less at a time. Now they've conceded um, as many as they did. (laughs) last season after 10 games so theoretically they're actually improving and they had we also mentioned we did also mention i'm 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 throwing some feathers at ourselves i guess but uh like uh, ben also mentioned though that uh, they will get some weird winning streak going and uh, never really be in danger and well it's not a streak of course but they did get an unexpected win against antwerp um this this weekend despite some supporters protests
0: yeah Exactly. Like you, just, you just don't know what you're going to get with them, as Scott said, isn't it? Like, you'll get that ridiculous Salang result, then we'll get, like you said, the obvious, that streak of wins and stuff like that. But the fact that when you said that to us after we recorded that, that the goals conceded was like almost identical, you're like, what is... Like It just baffles the mind, really. What game am I looking forward to? There's quite a few that I'm really interested in. I think Salang against Charleroi should be a really, really good one to quite attacking teams. I guess sort of similar to the Mecca and game is Kortuike against East End for me. I think that should be a really good one. Um, obviously, with a new man at Kortuike and then East End play how East End do, um, that should be quite a fun open game. Elsewhere, we have Cirque bruise Bruges against Standard Liège. That's the first game on Saturday. Uh, two teams that are desperately, desperately in need of a win. Uh, Urban have been in a little bit of a slump, so they are at home to Union saint and That should be quite a good one as well. Then, obviously, Sunday's kick, lunchtime kick of Antwerp against Club Bruges. And elect hosts Scott, another tough away game for Beer Scott They really, really need to pick up a win, though. Uh, Genk against Ghent, every Englishman's favourite game because they're going to get confused with who's who. And hopefully the VAR van doesn't get confused and goes to the wrong one. But we'll <laughs> see what happens. And then Sunday finishes with Leuven against St. Tluden. I think that pretty much wraps everything up for this week's episode. As always, Scott on yours, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Great to be together again, guys, and, and catch up. And uh, I hope you're both feeling better next week. And uh, good luck to the Belgian sides in Europe this week. And hopefully we get some uh, cracking results to, to rave about next week.
2: Yeah, let's hope it's not going to be a disaster, as we might expect a little, I fear. But uh, let's let's hope some teams can surprise us on Thursday still. And uh, yeah, good to be back. Uh, the, the, yeah, International breaks are not our thing. Uh,
0: uh, not a fan of international breaks and definitely happy to be back. And yeah, like you said, Scott, let's hope for some positive European results. As for usual, uh, if you are interested in freelancing in football, definitely check out Freelance Football Ops, who we partner with. Uh, they can find you jobs with anything in the football industry. Uh, and also, we really, really do appreciate people who have been leaving us reviews uh, on their podcast, kind of listening apps Uh, if you haven't done so yet and you do enjoy what we're doing please do leave a review you can always get in contact with us if you want us to talk about any topics you want to ask us any questions think we should do something a little bit differently add a segment anything like that please do get in touch we're really open-minded to these sort of things and you can do so on twitter uh, at belgian podcasts you can also find us individually i'm at benjack94 scott's at scott underscore coin and yoris is at yoris underscore beck alternatively you can also email us it's uh, belgianfootpodcast at gmail.com Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll see you very soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.